Welcome to From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve, who today is in his new and timely series, Forever and Ever, The Reality of Eternal Heaven and Eternal Hell. Are you certain that your final destination is heaven? If so, you'll find comfort in today's lesson, When Heaven is on Your Horizon. Jesus in your heart, and are you certain and sure that your final destination is heaven? The Apostle Paul sure was, and he lived with heaven on the horizon, and he lived with his mind on heaven. He said to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 1, he had the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. We would say amen to that. It is very much better to depart and be with Christ. Now, in 2 Corinthians, Paul defends his apostleship, and he gives information to the Corinthians that they desperately need to know. He had talked to them in the book of 1 Corinthians about the resurrection. And uh, he said, if Christ is not raised, then you're still in your sins. Jesus had to come out of the grave physically, bodily, for your salvation to be uh, valid for God to say, put his stamp of approval on the son's sacrifice on the cross. Without the resurrection, there is no forgiveness. And so Jesus came up out of the grave, and then Paul said to the Corinthians, hey, you're going to come up out of the grave one day too. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the dead in Christ shall rise, and, and we will be caught up to be with them in the clouds. He says that in 1 Corinthians 15. He says it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the rapture of the church. And he talks about it here. And this is what Paul has to say in chapter 4, verse 16 through chapter 5, verse 10. Therefore, we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. For we know that if our earthly tent, he's talking about our bodies, our earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we, having put it on, shall not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, in this body, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed in order that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He's talking about getting a new body. This mortal will put on immortality, and this perishable will put on the imperishable glorified body. He says in verse 5, Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. The word pledge is the Greek word erebon, 
And that means the down payment, think of it like an engagement ring. God has given, given us his spirit as an engagement ring, and that says that I'm coming back for you, and because I've given you my spirit, you can know for certain that I will come and get you one day, and uh, you are the bride of Christ, and I'm going to come and marry you. Then he says in verse 6, Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Therefore, also, we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad, whether good or worthless. I want to share with you three encouragements from the passage we just read. Encouragements for those of us who are certain that our final destination is heaven, who are certain that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life, who believe the promise in 1 John 2, 25, and this is the promise that He Himself has made to us eternal life. It's a promise from God to all who repent and believe, and he wants us to know that we know that we know that we know that we belong to him. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. These things, John said, I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know, K-N-O-W, know that you have eternal life. So when you know you have the assurance of heaven, three encouragements. Number one, the assurance of heaven changes our perspective on problems our perspective on problems. We look at it from a a different lens when we know that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life, when we know that heaven is our final destination. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17 in the easy-to-read version, this is what it says. That is why we never give up. Our physical body is becoming older and weaker, but our spirit inside us is made new every day. We have small troubles for a while now, but these troubles are helping us gain an eternal glory. That eternal glory is much greater than our troubles. That's what he says. And then he goes on to say, chapter 5, verse 1, for we know, for we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God. We know that. Uh, That's going back to 1 Corinthians 15. Remember, gang, I taught you that, Paul says, and we know this to be true. Now, when it comes to troubles in life and problems in life, everybody's got them. You have them, I have them, uh, Paul had them, Adam had them. Everybody's got troubles in life. It's part of the human existence. Jesus said in the world, you have tribulation, but be of good courage. I have overcome the world. Job said, man is born for trouble as sparks fly upward. That's just the way it is. But when heaven is your final destination and you have that assurance and that certainty, it changes how you look at problems. See, first of all, we know that God is at work in our problems. We know that. And, and Paul says, now Paul had lots of problems. You know, we say everybody's got problems. You have problems, I have problems, Paul had problems, but I think Paul's got us beat on problems. He had tons of them, and he was persecuted for his ministry. And 
The Lord said to Ananias to tell Paul when Paul was saved, Acts chapter 9, uh, Ananias didn't want to go to see Paul because he said uh, he was Saul of Tarsus at that time. He said, Lord, that guy does much harm to the saints. He says, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine, for I must show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. And Paul suffered for the Lord's name. But he saw his problems in a different way. He saw his problems as momentary light affliction, small problems that produce an eternal weight of glory. God is at work in the problems. And we know Romans 8.28, Romans 8.28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good. Not some things, not most things, all things. Good things, bad things, sweet, sweet things, sorrowful things, all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And when heaven is on your horizon, you just know as you're going through difficulties, God is using this. In my life, I I need to let God use this the way he wants to use it. James chapter 1, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God is at work, and God is going to use this, and I know it is true. Secondly, because heaven is on the horizon, not only do we know that God is at work, we know that the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come for the child of God. Encouragement number one, the assurance of heaven changes our perspective on problems. Encouragement number two, the assurance of heaven takes away the fear of death. It takes the fear out of death. Now, it is true that people fear death. I mean, we can try and pretend that they don't, but they do. And the Scripture says in the book of Hebrews, talks about this. It says about Jesus, since then the children share in flesh and blood, Jesus, he himself likewise also partook of the same. He became a human being because we are human beings. He took on flesh and blood that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might deliver those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. The fear of death. Now, when you give your heart and life to Christ, there is no more fear in death. As the song says in Christ alone, no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. I heard Adrian Rogers say one time, he said, I've never met a true Christian who's afraid to die. I've met some who are ashamed to die and stand before the Lord, but I've never met a true Christian who is afraid to die because he knows that the Lord has taken the sting out of death. And so that assurance gives, it it takes away the fear of death. So what happens to a Christian when he dies, when she dies? Well, the Bible makes it clear here, absent from the body, present with the Lord. So when a Christian dies, that Christian goes immediately to be with Jesus, immediately to be with Jesus. There's not a waiting period. 
There's not a holding area where you're going to be there. Well, you're going to be in this waiting room, you know, for the next, uh, you know, if you're the Apostle Paul, where you're going to be there for the next 2,000 years. Just, just hold tight, Paul, uh, and then the Lord will come get you uh, sometime. No, he says uh, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He has the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. So when a Christian dies, boom, he goes to be with the Lord. Jesus, when he saved the thief on the cross, he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And truly I say to you today, you shall be with me in paradise. It's one of those truly statements. Truly means, hey, pay attention. This is important. Hang on to this. Truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. When a Christian dies, he doesn't go to soul sleep. He goes to be with the Lord And when a Christian dies, he goes to be at home with Jesus. See, that's what it says in verse 8. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. At home with the Lord. That word, home, means to be among one's own people, among one's own country absent from the body, at home with the Lord. David said in Psalm 16, verse 3, as for the saints who are in the earth, they are the majestic ones in whom is all my delight. He loved the people of God. You remember, the world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. I mean, I am living with heaven on the horizon. And then encouragement number three, the assurance of heaven reminds us of the Bema judgment. You say, what is that? The Bema judgment. It's spelled B-E-M-A. Seems like it would be Bema, but it's pronounced in Greek, Bema. And it's found in verse 10. For we must all appear, he's talking to Christians, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema of Christ, that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Romans chapter 14, verses 10 and verses 12 speak of this too, and it says this, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God, so then each one of us shall give account of himself to God. We're going to stand before the Bema of God one day. Now, the the Bema was a, a raised platform. They have one in Corinth. When you go to Corinth and you see the ruins in Corinth, and you read about what happened in Acts chapter 18 where the magistrate took his place on the Bema. To, that, that's a place where they would render judgments. It's, it's a place where speeches would take place. And it was a place where returning victorious athletes and returning warriors would come to receive their awards and rewards and their wreaths and their accolades. It was at the Bema. And that's what a Christian has in his or her future is the Bema of Christ. Now, notice about this judgment. It is only for Christians. It's only for Christians. 
God has two judgments for all people. You're going to be in one of two judgments, and there's no getting around it. So if you give your heart and life to Christ, you're going to one day stand before the Bema, the judgment seat of Christ, and he is going to judge you. If you don't receive Christ, then at the end of it all, Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15, you're going to stand at the end of time before eternity begins, new heavens and a new earth. You're going to be judged at the great white throne judgment. Everyone at the great white throne judgment is going to the lake of fire. They're going to be judged according to their deeds, and hell is not the same for every person. Hell is awful for everyone, but there are degrees of hell. And if you're a believer in Jesus, everyone who stands at the Bema is going to heaven. No man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. You have the foundation in your heart as a believer, and you're going to stand before him, and it's uh, an evaluation of your works as a Christian. God doesn't look at your life from the time you were born until the time you were dead. He looks at your life from the time that you were born again until the time you died. He looks at what you did as a Christian, what you did in your Christian life. Now, everyone at the great white throne judgment is going to be uh, experiencing a judgment of condemnation. Everyone who goes to the Bema judgment is experiencing a, a judgment of commendation. It's a judgment to determine rewards. And you're going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, and I am as a believer, one day to give an account. So then each one will give an account of himself to God. You know, the Bible has parables. Jesus would tell parables about, uh, I think, of the parable of the talents. A very wealthy man went away on a journey. He entrusted his possessions to his servants. To one he gave five talents. The talent is a sum of money. It's a, it's a weight. It's, it's 60 to 80 pounds. So a, a talent of silver or a talent of gold, especially gold, that is big money. To one he gave five talents. To one he gave two talents. To one he gave one talent. And he says, do business with this until I return. And when he returns, then they have to give an account of what did you do with what I gave you? That is the Bema judgment that every Christian is going to experience. They're going to hear from the Lord, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with the time that I gave you? What did you do with the treasure that I gave you? What did you do with the talent that I gave you? What did you do with the spiritual gift that I gave you or gifts that I gave you in some cases? What did you do with the opportunities that I had come your way? And we're going to have to give an account to the Lord of what we did with what he gave us and why we did what we did. We're going to have to give an account of our motives. At the judgment seat of Christ... Our Lord, whose eyes, Revelation 19, are as a flame of fire, he's going to look at us, and he's going to evaluate our lives, and we must all appear. The word appear means to be exposed. We must all be exposed before the Lord at the Bema judgment and to be recompensed according to what we have done. The deeds in the body as a Christian, whether good or bad, now, the word for bad, phallos, 
can also be translated worthless. It's, it's, it's whether good or worthless. And 1 Corinthians chapter 3 gives us insight into what he's talking about. 1 Corinthians 3 says this, For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds upon the foundation, now every Christian is building upon the foundation, with gold, silver, precious stone, those are good things, wood, hay, straw, those are worthless things. Each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built upon it remains, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as through fire. A little poem by C.T. Studd says this, Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Remember this, too. At the judgment seat of Christ, everything is set for all eternity. The rewards, when God puts the flame to your life, whatever is left, if there's gold, if there's silver, if there's precious stone, if it's there, you're going to be rewarded on that. And God is a generous rewarder. But if there's nothing left, you yourself shall be saved, yet so as through fire. But for all eternity, you will have nothing to show for your years as a Christian. Five years, 10 years, 20 years, 40 years, 50 years, 70 years, 80 years as a Christian. And there's nothing to show to the one who died for you in agony and blood. John said this in 3 John chapter 1, verse 4. I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in the truth. Let me tell you, the Lord Jesus has no greater joy than for you and for me to walk with him and to stay connected to him and to abide in him so that he can flow his life through us, so that he can use us to shine for Christ and to share what great things the Lord has done for us and how he had mercy on us. That is our calling from God. And if we will live like that, we can stand at the great white throne or at the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema judgment, and with fear and trepidation, we can stand before the Lord and we can see the fire, and we can see what is left, and we can hear him say, well done. You are faithful in a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. We've been talking about the reality of eternal heaven and eternal hell. Do you know where you're going? Hey, if you're not certain, today is the day to nail that down. Just pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I need you. I know that I'm a sinner and I'm lost and I can't save myself, but I believe you are God in the flesh. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the dead. And right now, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sins. Be my Lord and Savior. Make me the person you want me to be. My friend, if you'll pray that kind of prayer of surrender and mean it, the Lord will come in and your life will never be the same. I'd love to hear from you, to know that you're watching, to know that God is using this broadcast to make a difference in your life. 
to know that you just prayed that prayer to receive Christ as Savior and Lord. Please take the time to call that toll-free number, write me, email me, let me know what's going on and how we can pray for you. You really are important to God, and you're important to us, and we're here for you. Today's message, When Heaven is on Your Horizon, is from Pastor Jeff's series, Forever and Ever, The Reality of Eternal Heaven and Eternal Hell. And it's available in multiple formats when you call 877-777-6171 or go to fromhisheart.org. This month on From His Heart, we're in my new series titled Forever and Ever, The Reality of Eternal Heaven and Eternal Hell. The Apostle Paul said there shall certainly be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. That means either heaven or hell awaits every person. And the reality is eternity is a long time to be wrong. That's why so many people need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, our Savior and God. I know this year has been a challenging one financially for many of us. Inflation has taken a big toll. And I'm amazed and humbled by how the Lord has allowed us to continue to share the reality of God's love to more and more people every year. Listen, the reach of From His Heart has continued to grow substantially on radio, television, and especially online during these past 12 months. And I'm excited about the real life-changing impact that we can make together in 2023. Please know that we depend on December's donations to close out our year strong and provide a solid foundation for From His Heart to reach even more people in 2023. Our December goal is $450,000. Now remember, I'm a volunteer at From His Heart and I'm a generous supporter. I take no income from this ministry. That means that every dollar you give goes to spreading the truth of Jesus further and farther in the months to come. Now for your year-end gift today, I'd like to say thanks by sending you my new book of transcriptions from my series, Forever and Ever, The Reality of Eternal Heaven and Eternal Hell, along with the series in the audio or video format of your choice. Now, I believe these truths will encourage you to live for Jesus, to share the good news of Jesus, and to look forward without fear to His soon return. Hey, thanks for your support, and God bless you. To thank you for your year-end gift, we'd like to send you Pastor Jeff's new book of transcriptions from the four-lesson series, Forever and Ever, The Reality of Eternal Heaven and Eternal Hell, plus the series on CDs, DVDs, USB, or digital download. You can make your year-end gift when you call 877-777-6171 or go online for these resources at fromhisheart.org. From His Heart is the viewer-supported broadcast ministry of Dr. Jeff Shreve, who believes that no matter how badly you may have messed up in life, God still loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. You can find out more at fromhisheart.org. Real truth.